0: Hello and welcome to the Where People Meet podcast, the event technology podcast series for the global meetings and events industry. I'm your host, Mitch Malinsky, Head of Strategic Partnerships here at Feedloop in beautiful Toronto, Canada. And today I'm joined by the wonderful Tika Woolley, Senior Manager of Shows and Events at Salon Centric of L'Oreal USA. An accomplished leader in the industry with a long list of awards and achievements under her belt, Tika takes a particular interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DE&I, and how to promote DE&I at events. Tika, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Mitch. Excited to be here.
0: Of course. So let's let's start with you telling the audience a bit about yourself and your background in the meetings and events industry.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So I have been in the meetings and events industry for over a decade. Uh, ironically enough, I actually started in the music business. That's um, where I uh, got my degree and envisioned myself being within that industry long term. Um, and looking back on the journey, it all makes sense in that um, I was an EA to an AR. And if for those that don't know, in the music business, that's artists and repertoire. Um, and so that time in that season in my life gave me the opportunity to work with high profile artists, um, you know, plan niche experiences for tours for meet and greets, and um, really elevate dining experiences. Um, For specific markets. So when I transitioned into doing events for the beauty world, it was a natural transition because although I didn't have it be a title per se, it was a big part of my day to day. So that's the beginnings looking back, it's like it was all meant to be, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so lucky enough, you know, I, um, I really progressed in this industry by starting off doing the niche boutique events for a uh, high-end professional hair company, at the time it was it was Mazzani, um, which happens to be a brand that's focused more so on, on highly coily textured hair. Um, and so, you know, getting that understanding of what an elevated event is and really submerging myself in that market and showing up differently and bringing awareness, that was the beginnings. Um, and then as I transitioned over the, the last decade, it became about, um, you know, working with larger scale, Brands and you know anywhere upwards um, from an event standpoint from ten thousand wow. to thirty thousand, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. So so v- very different, and then and then you know transitioning to leading teams and working cross functioning with so many wonderful vendors. Um, and at this point in my career right now, I am working on the distribution side of the beauty industry. Um, so I have um, I have the amazing day to day opportunity to work. Within the brands itself, but then also work with partner brands in brainstorming and brainstorming and showing up differently and seeing how we could make sure to um, take that in person and digital experience and um, make it so that it has a lasting impact right on, on the guests so it's, it's just been an amazing journey.
0: That's incredible. Very interesting to hear about you getting started off in the music industry as well, because I do, of course, see a lot of overlap between that and then the natural shift to the role of an event planner. Um, But at this point, it seems you're a pretty popular name in the industry. So congrats on all of your achievements so far
1: thank you thank you i appreciate it yes it's one creative industry to the next
0: (laughs) (laughs) fantastic so when i was uh diving into your online profile i was really impressed with your resume and particularly with l'oreal i see you've risen up the ranks going from event coordinator to now director manager of events so what have you learned about the world of events over your 13 years at the company And what tips do you have for new event planners starting out in the industry
1: yeah so the event world is an ever evolving (laughs) and changing world and um and so the biggest thing i've learned is that you have to stay open-minded open-minded to change open-minded to to showing up differently Mm -hmm. um the the last decade has seen the rise of you know um hybrid being the way all the time, you know, I wouldn't say it's the way of the future, it is the way of now. Um, and having a digital component and ensuring that you have data because data is king to ensure that you know you're you're touching base with with that clientele or, or that guest with every experience that you plan. So that's been for me the biggest learning is never stay where you are. Um, always, always continue to learn. Um, innovate, push envelope, take calculated risk. Um, I can't tell you enough how many times I've fallen down, but it's been the biggest learnings that 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 we've had because of it. And many of those risks has been the 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 um the the one thing that brings brings about the most ROI, right? So taking a risk and having more people come to you, um, you know, whether it's a it's an installation that's inspired by uh, you know, uh, travel or inspired by a uh, restaurant. I got inspired by a pastry chef once and we we um, I was able to contact the pastry chef and see kind of uh, his mindset and how he worked. And we were able to take what he did at his restaurant and bring it to life on the road where we took, um, in, in the beauty industry, it's something called Naha, which is like the Grammys of the beauty industry, Mitch. And right. essentially we took um, key looks, hair looks, And recreated it with cotton candy Uh, and that was just like um, a game changer for us in the market and then of course we gave out cotton candy as well but more importantly people came they asked questions they signed up and so we were able to uh, continue having that relationship with with that clientele um, way after that year of going on tour with that um, installation so stay open-minded travel soak it in bring it to you know whatever event you're planning
0: That's amazing. And it seems one of the reasons you've been so successful in your career is you are willing to go beyond traditional events and you're willing to look elsewhere for inspiration. Um, and, And I think that's incredibly important for an event planner or really anyone in any role at a company. So. That's, that's fantastic to hear, Tika. And just one item before we move on to our next topic here that, uh, that sparked my interest is you mentioned hybrid events. Sure, they're the way, the way of the future, but they're also now. And for me, as an event technologist uh, representing an event tech company, I completely agree with you. Curious, was that your vision pre-pandemic as well? Was L'Oreal doing hybrid events pre-pandemic? Or was that really just kickstarted due to the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Well, it definitely accelerated with COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so we, we did play in the space of hybrid events before, um, but it wasn't um, the status quo. So it wasn't at every event, and it was limited live streaming opportunities. Um, Whereas, you know, you know, as we're transitioning out of this pandemic period, it's just a part of doing the business. So it's a part of the uh, planning process from conception. Um, And so, you know, before it was like, okay, we can do this too, so that people can play back and see it. And, you know, even so, we weren't even looking at it at that time as this gives more accessibility to those who cannot physically be there for whatever reason. Right, and so there's it just opened up the doors and the outreach to you know people who are um, you know maybe navigating through some some um, disabilities that are not as seen, you know, yes. or um, if it is something that's um, more physical and they're just not comfortable to go right back out, it gives them the opportunity to experience it, um, you know, from from home. So it's it's been a game changer for sure. So it. You know to answer your question it was a part of it it just wasn't a part of every event that we planned
0: right and we Mm -hmm. saw that with a lot of our clients as well pre-pandemic feet loop as an event technology company we did offer hybrid event solutions but at that time it was very very basic and not widely adopted, whereas the pandemic rapidly accelerated that virtual became the new norm. And now going forward, planning an event without a virtual component, you, you can't even do that. So uh, completely agree.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So moving on to a topic I know you're very passionate about, and I'm really interested to learn more, is DE&I, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So this is one mission that you've been promoting at the events you organize. Can you tell us more about what DE&I means to you and how you make this part of an event's mission?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So for me, DE&I... The goal is to make it just you know, par for the course, right? It should just be a part of everything that we're doing. Inclusivity and belonging um, needs to be uh, woven into every part of the event experience. Um, you know, personally, Mitch, I'll tell you, I've been in many spaces where I have been the only one that looks like me. Um, and um, whether it's back of house, from from a planning perspective, a boardroom perspective, C-suite exec, ex, um perspective, there's not many that look like me there to give that voice and that perspective. Okay. Uh, and then moving in front of house, you know, whether it's guest speakers or facilitators that we have, or, or even vendors that we use, supplier diversity, um, you know, it was far and few between. Um, and so it's been um, a passion and a mission of mine to ensure. That when selecting um, partnerships and selecting guest speakers and you know uh, hiring even on, on our team um, to make sure that we have various backgrounds because at the end of the day diversity um, brings about the best experience for all right so whether it's culturally whether it's um, you know their journey from um, you know any. Let, you know, any disability that they have, bringing that perspective to the plate and not just, not just talking about it, not just having it to check off a box, Mitch. I mean, really, really allowing that, that voice to, um, shake things up, shake that table. You get the seat, but then you shake it when you get there, you shake that table and you, um, do things differently, right? There's things that I don't see. Everybody has, um, Unconscious habits, right? Just because we've been doing things for so long in one way, it's natural to maybe not see it from a different perspective. So, having various backgrounds around you um, is 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 essential. So, um, it's it's for me, um, you know, it's a must. You should have that lens from you know from the pre planning process all the way to post event when you're following up with you know, any of the guests that were, were, were um, leaning into your experience um, to make sure that they understand that they're seen and they're heard and that they're invited for a reason and that we appreciate them.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think it will make the event itself stronger, better. It'll resonate better with people because, as we all know, diverse backgrounds, diverse teams, that really leads to the best end product possible. Absolutely. And So to, to quickly recap what you did mention there is you look at diversity across a number of elements for the event In terms of the team itself, you look at diversity for hiring so that the organizers, you've got a wide range of experiences and backgrounds there, but also to the event programming. It seems when you're looking at speakers, you look to bring on a wide range of backgrounds, partnerships that you're looking to leverage at the event, all the way down to the tools you're utilizing, the vendors, the technology. How did those components help to promote diversity? So. That's that's good to keep in mind for our audience. We'll be sure to highlight that afterwards as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on, Mitch.
0: <laughs> so, Tika, we, we briefly addressed this earlier on in the conversation, but over the past few years, we, of course, saw the rise of the virtual event format due to in-person events no longer being possible with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, did this did this impact your strategy on diversity equity and inclusion at events uh, were there any new tools that you can leverage how did the virtual event format play into your goal of promoting this mission of d and i at your events
1: so twofold um, one we were no longer limited by geography right so sometimes okay you know, when you're doing physical events, um, because of travel and expenses, sometimes you, you have to tap into, you know, the talent or the speakers within that market, um, virtual changes all of that, right? So you have a, a, a huge portfolio of, of key speakers that you can speak and um, tap into. Um, and you can have diverse backgrounds and, and perspectives um, more easily is what I'll say. So that to us was a game changer because it was like okay now everyone's tuning in and you know we really we can have people within the states or outside of the states um, you know lean into this experience so that was one because that changed really um, uh, that changed the the feel and the look of our events um, and then you know quite frankly you know to be just transparent with you it also in the last two years. Uh, we had a lot of courageous conversations online, right? So we couldn't physically meet and have those and arrange those. Um, and we were able to do that within our events um, digitally, which was um, super impactful and needed. Yes. Um, the other bit to it, Mitch, is the accessibility a piece. I know I touched on that before, but um, lots of learnings when it comes to digital with neurodiversity, right? So in the beginning, when we were doing this, there wasn't as much Closed captioning. The, the 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 platforms added that on after. So we were we were hiring out to get things live translated, um, or, or um, just closed captioned out. Um, so when we do our events, we think about the bilingual opportunities. We think about the the um, uh, uh, neurodiversity. So the closed captioning, but then also like the lighting and then the flow of the event, understanding that there's people that are on the spectrum that need those breaks, you know, not only that, they have to have the agenda well in advance, right? It just makes for a better experience. So through that, and quite frankly, through a lot of feedback that we got, we've been able to tweak it and make it better, uh, shorten the day a bit, knowing that screen time can be exhausting, and so although it's a wonderful tool to have, we have to be mindful of everyone's positioning um, that's watching. So it it has forced us to look at events completely different. And even when we're now back in person and we're doing hybrid, speaking to both audiences and, you know, still making sure we have just the right of amount of breaks, not only for the people in person, but for the people watching on, on screen. So. Um, right yeah we it it's it's made a more inclusive environment overall
0: it really has although the transition from in-person to virtual was difficult and some event planners struggled with it i think one of the amazing benefits of this whole pivot is accessibility and inclusion has come to the forefront and for us as event technology companies that's a differentiator that we can now leverage because we understand that clients are looking to support multi-language events they're looking to support accessible events where the platform is accessible with uh, screen reader capabilities where the participant can come in and they have the ability to adjust the text size, background colors, all of those items. So making that pivot to virtual really brought accessibility to the forefront, especially when there are some organizations that look at accessibility guidelines like AODA, ADA, WCAG and where they say hey sorry we can't work with you unless you meet these certain standards then i think that's a huge benefit for the industry and we've done a lot of leveling up over the past few years so i'm i'm really happy to see that
1: yeah yeah i i mean and if i can just echo the the last bit about leveling up you you hit it on on the t where it really has evolved in the last two years it's and a so process the offerings and the, yeah, exactly exactly even down to you know um you know from a 2d to a 3d format the options of skin skin tone and um you know clothing etc to make ev- everyone on on the other side of the screen feel comfortable right and feel like oh okay that that's, I can relate to this one (laughs) and i can select this one if i'm going through this experience in this kind of format so um i it's been amazing to see the evolution over the last um uh, you know year and a half or two years or so
0: completely agree well i was really excited to bring you on board because i think this is a message that our audience will really resonate with is how to promote diversity equity and inclusion at their events so The last question I've got for you today, Tika, is what are your tips and tricks for event planners who are looking to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in their events? Is there anything specific they should keep in mind?
1: Well, first, first an open mind and and always willing to learn and listen. Um, Leading with empathy with your events is going to be key um, so that when you are planning that experience from beginning and end, you see everyone or at minimum Mitch, you have people around you, right? That can uh, bring bring different perspectives. That way you can keep that in mind when planning. So, you know, I will say this, um, you know if everyone in the room looks like you that's a problem (laughs) um and this goes to you know when when you are um you know curating that experience and selecting you know whether it's it's in your world whether it's artists or talent or 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 guest speakers you know you really have to look at who all the players are and say you know why do if, if they all look the same why right? And start peeling the layers of, you know, what can, what can you do better? Um, That way you get, you know, um, a variety of options for people coming into, into, uh, you know, the experience that you're creating. Um, And so, like you said earlier, it makes for a better event. It makes for a better industry. So the biggest tip I can give is, you know, when planning, you know, think about it from all aspects. That pre-planning phase is so essential. <laughs> um, you know, even when you're just brainstorming on what you would like it to look like, and then as you start editing it down, starting off with knowing I would love to have this person from from this background, that, like not only just their, their journey, uh, but also looking at it like, you know, do we have representation for for the people that are coming in can they see themselves in the speakers um and so that's just key and i really i really do believe the event industry as a whole mitch is is getting better and better with this um there was there there's always opportunity but we've gotten a lot better um and so it just needs to be part of the initial process um starting from the ideation um, to be inclusive, um, and not just to, again, not to just to do it as a checkbox, <laughs> but to make sure that that you're you're cultivating that belonging um, when you're planning your events.
0: Yeah, needs to be part of the vision, the overall strategy. And Tika, I think people like you who are out there in the industry talking about DE&I, promoting it everywhere you go, that's really going a long way and helping us to spread this wonderful message. So um, I got a lot out of this conversation. Just wanna say thank you so much for being so generous with your time, sharing your insights with our audience and our listeners. But I'm sure many of them will wanna learn more so if people do want to get in touch with you to learn more about your work, how they can support or drive diversity, equity and inclusion at their events, what's the best way for them to do so?
1: Uh, well, one, I want to say thank you for having me. This is a great experience and I love everything that you're doing. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that, you know, through the podcast, we, you know, we get more and more people who can um you know, maybe, maybe do things differently. Right, Mitch. Um, But if they, if they want to keep up with anything that I'm doing, I am on LinkedIn, um, Tika Woolley, um, also Mish Tika. So um, I um, am open. I accept everybody. I think it's, it's a great platform to connect and grow. You never know uh, who the next superstar in the event industry is or who the next vendor you'll be partnering with. So uh, they can, they can catch me on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll uh, we'll get that spread around for you. But that wraps up our Where People Meet podcast episode on how to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion at events with the wonderful Tika Woolley. Thanks for your time today, and we'll see you next time on the Where People Meet podcast. Thank you.